Hi, and welcome to the Futures Collective Quickfire Podcast. In these short episodes, we talk about failure, legacy, tips to our guests' younger self, and productivity, and should give you an insight into the journeys, skills, and experiences that these incredible change makers we talk to go in depth about in our main episodes. My guest today is Elise Burden. Elise is a member of the 2018 Forbes 30 Under 30 list for education, and she's also the co-founder of Real World Scholars. Hope you guys enjoy. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Elise. I'm really excited to dive right in um, to these quickfire questions that I'm sure will have some pretty interesting responses. Um, the first thing I've got is just to ask about failures. So we always talk about successes, but not often about failures that you've had along the way. So I'd love to know what's been your biggest failure and sort of what the value out of that has been for you. Yeah, well, I have so many, <laughs> you know, you start a, you start an organization and you just start keeping a laundry list of the things that you uh, you failed at. Um, and, and it's hard because even the idea of like biggest failure, there's something about failure that sometimes feels like this like end point, this period. Um, mm. And I kind of think about this as like this ongoing struggle, this ongoing like learning. Um, and I find that the things that I fail at, I fail at multiple times because I still like in the same way that, you know, when you learn to read or write, you don't just fail once, you kind of find all of these ways to um, address these these kind of postures in your life. And so uh, I'm still learning this one, but I would say my my biggest quote unquote failure has been um, not saying no more often. You know, I think mm. as a young person, as an ambitious person, as an entrepreneur, there are these these messages around, you know, you have to jump at every opportunity. But what I'm learning uh, as I get better at what I do and uh, and I want to work on lots of projects and my skill sets are becoming more refined is that, you know, people people want to utilize those skill sets, which is totally legitimate and normal. And, you know, so when I get pulled on projects or people say, hey, Elise, I would love to talk to you about X, Y, and Z or partner with you on this. Um, my impulse is still often to say, sure, that's great. That's exciting. And I get really excited about projects. But the reality is, is that, you know, a lot of those projects are things that are extra. They're, they're outside of my primary goals, right? And so uh, mm-hmm. what I found over the last five years, and again, I, like, like I said, I'm still learning this, is that if I say yes to everyone else, you know, essentially, those are often the, the other side of that is a no to myself. When I say yes, yeah. I would love to work with you on this project. What I'm saying is, no, I then don't have the time to work on my own projects, you know, and um, there is something to be said for taking advantage of the opportunities that come your way. But I think it's really important to understand opportunity costs, and to start figuring out what the best utilization of your time is because I have definitely been at the end of projects where I thought well this was fun and also uh, it also created a lot more stress for me or it also was really distracting and at the end of the day I think there is something about being focused um, especially if you do know what you want and there have been a lot of things the last few years you know starting running real world scholars and that we've wanted to do but because we've leached our attention and we've leached our, our focus I've leached my focus. I'll take responsibility for that. I've leached my focus. Uh, I haven't been able to accomplish. And so, you know, as I get older, I'm getting more confident in my no. And it's it's not mm. personal. It's just, um, it's when I say no to those other opportunities, I'm really saying yes to myself. And so it's a constant battle and a constant learning process. Um, but I think it's creating more space for me and more, more uh, air in the room and more, a little bit more flexibility for me to explore my own interests. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it allows you to make more of the opportunities that you currently do have rather than spreading yourself thin. Oh my gosh, so much. so many, yeah. So much. You know, we kind of joke sometimes every world scholars, like, you know, we do a lot of B plus work because we're doing so many things that like, it's good enough, but it could be better, you know, and, and, and looking at some of those opportunities where we think, damn, that could have been so great. Like it was pretty good, but it could have been great. And it wasn't mm-hmm. great because we didn't stay focused, you know? And so yeah. uh, that totally resonates with me. Yeah, I think so. I think like once you, even for myself, that's something I'm very much learning um, at this stage as I've gotten more commitments and more opportunities come my way. Um, it's been like, all right, how do I actually make sure I balance this and get the right right level of, you know, accepting opportunities and doing as well as I can in them rather than expect, accepting too much and sort of um, being held back by those commitments. Um, totally. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and the next one is just around legacy. So if you were to leave every single person um, with like one message that they could have directly from you. So summing up your legacy in about one sentence, <sighs> what would that message be? And and sort of why would you be going down that path specifically? Yeah, um, I think it would be to be more human. Um, I was thinking about this. We've been talking as a team a lot recently. And, you know, what's the one word that people use on our team to describe our culture? And this concept of authenticity just kept coming up. That, you know, because, you know, I, I kind of admit that I don't know what I'm doing half the time and that we're get, like, I'm guessing as I go. And there's something about showing your humanity and showing, you know, when, you know, uh, when you can't, uh, when you can't get it done or when you are totally confused or when you're in over your head, showing that authenticity, showing that humanity is so disarming for other people. And I find that when we aren't human, when we try to put on our human mask, that looks different than our real, our real insides. It's hard to make real connections, um, not just on a relational level, but even in a professional sense, like mm-hmm. we can't get to real problems. We can't get to real solutions. We can't get to the really gritty stuff because ultimately, you know, I work in education and there's a lot of big challenges here. And we have to be able to have very human conversations to get to the root of like, what's really going on here? You know, what, what, what's the core of this issue? And every issue, no matter what problem you're trying to solve is going to be full of human tension, human angst, human expectation. And I think so often we try to pretend like that's not the case. We try to modulize them. We try to systematize it and try to figure out the data by the numbers. And that's all helpful, but it's not helpful at the cost of our human. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's humans running these organizations. It's humans who are participating in these systems. It's humans that make up our communities. And so we really have to be able to sit across the table from someone and share our authentic selves and our fears and our interests and what gets us excited, um, our vulnerability, ultimately, to be able to... Uh, you know, to, to disarm them enough to do the same so that we can have real conversations, uh, build mm. real relationships, because I think that's how we get real shit done. Yeah. Um, and it's more fun, honestly. I don't, I'm not a great liar. I'm not a great pretender. I wanted to be a theater major, but I wasn't very good at acting. So this is like my second best is that I'm just going to be my very best human. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And I think that particularly with this age of social media where, you know, our stories and our lives are broadcasted out so far, um, it's so important to stay true to yourself because there's so much temptation to yeah. sort of fake it till you make it essentially. Um, but it's totally. not, that's not great for yourself personally, but also professionally. Um, it doesn't carry much weight anymore. Um, it, yeah. And, and people like start to, you know, it, it doesn't make you any more credible. If, mm. if I know that I'm interacting with the story that you tell about yourself versus who you actually are, at least for me, it makes me less likely to trust you, less likely to want to work with you and less likely to feel comfortable uh, you know, going into really scary, important spaces, because I don't actually know what's behind that story. All I know is you're the kind of person who would rather present your story than your authenticity. 
And it doesn't make me angry. It just is a bummer, right? Because we're missing out on like the uniqueness of each person when we get so caught up in what that story about our life is versus what our real life is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like both this stuff around authenticity as well as the things around a failure and sort of saying learning to say no uh, a lot of stuff that I'm sure you would have loved to have told your younger self um, as well when you were growing up. Um, but if there was any other, like, I guess, s- a specific bit of advice that, you know, if you reflect on where you were when you were around 18, um, something that you would love to to give to, to her, you know, if you were sitting down for dinner, having a conversation with your younger self right now. Yeah. So, you know, around that time in my life, I was a, I was an early bloomer. I was um, a junior in college when I was 18, uh, mm-hmm. excuse me, sophomore in college when I was 18. And, uh, and I think what I didn't know and what I would have loved to tell myself is that you need to get okay with failure. Um, I was, you know, a pretty high achieving young person. I did well in high school. I was all, in a lot of extracurriculars. I did well in college. And there is this feeling that you, you know, especially at that age, you literally every year go on to the next grade, there is this embodiment of progress, and you are always supposed to be moving forward. And so there's this crazy amount of pressure that is put on young people to always be moving forward. And so if you've won at that game, if you've done well, and you've gotten those golden stars and those good grades, or whatever, you know, the cultural mark of success is, there is this feeling that like, you can't go backwards, you can't pause, you can't take side steps. And I think, you know, being surrounded by other high achieving young people who were, you know, who were the double majors who were thinking about law school and and doing all these things. There was this pressure, like I need to have all these things figured out and I need to go, go, go. And, Mm. and I did, I really did. And I think, um, I did it kind of, you know, the writing was on the wall for me because right after I I graduated college and I just kind of continued all my friends went off to the Peace Corps, they went off to law school or, or whatever. And I didn't have that same kind of momentum. I just wasn't there yet. And I didn't know that that was okay. And I was really, it really kind of threw me into a dark place of just like trying to like hustle for that validation, that value that like, wait, I want to do something important. I'm doing something important. And if you try to take that from me, uh, you know, I was, I think I was really fragile. And so part of what I would have wanted to know is that like details, detours are okay. In fact, they're a natural part of life. You know, I think when we laser focus as young people and we actually, I think it's one of those unfair things that we do to young people when we're like, where do you want to go? Get locked in where you want to go. Yeah. Stay focused on where you want to go. But at 18, who knows where you want to go? You just, you don't, ha- you don't know what you don't know. And so those detours are really important to have your eyes open and, and not be so focused on constantly moving forward. Um, I think it's important because sometimes we get so, so laser focused on moving forward that we don't realize that we're actually going in the wrong direction. And I think I was going in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that. And I wasn't willing to slow down and look around because that would have meant that I wasn't moving forward. That would have meant that I was off track, you know? And so that like, even opening up this feeling of like, it's less maybe even about like getting okay with failure and more about like getting okay with, uh, or like releasing an attachment to achievement and mm-hmm. like releasing the idea that we need to always be producing, always be progressing, always be, you know, uh, moving forward. Like, I think that puts um, a pressure on young people, it for sure did on me, that didn't serve. Me. And it actually took like a couple of years later for me to put a big old halt in my life and say, like, I need to stop and reassess. Yeah. And that's what gave me some like renewed clarity. But before that, I was just like banging at the same drum that I maybe set up when I was 16, 17 years old. And at some point in time, I would hope that what everyone detours from where they're at when they're 16 or 17, because we don't know, like, we don't know what we don't know at that age, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually changing your idea of what helps you move forward and what helps you succeed. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of the time we see failures and not succeeding at something that if we give it a go, 
as holding us back. Um, but just having that mindset shift to, to realize that it's actually something that's going to help you get clearer on what your passions are, um, you know, what your totally. skill set is and what value you have to offer um, totally. is so much more powerful. So, um, yeah, it's just these simple, simple little shifts in mindset that, that go a long way. Um, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you, <laughs> you've got um, so many incredible experiences and, and stories and skills that you've developed over these years. Um, is there someone that you really look up to and have had as a role model in terms of a leader? They can be like, uh, you know, a public figure, a leader that people know well, or someone that's just more around a mentor in your personal life. Um, but yeah, why would you most admire them? And um, yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I was thinking about this question before, and I think across the board, I value brilliant, humble people. Uh, like both of the Obamas, brilliant, humble, right? Like all of my personal mentors, brilliant and humble. And there is something about people who really dig deep. And I don't think brilliance is something that you're born with. I think it's something you work for. I think it is a mindfulness that you cultivate where you are, you know, you, you um, in the same, like in the same way that you embrace learning, it's like people who embrace um, understanding the big picture, right? Yeah. And and the people who I really look up to are people who uh, I just their their breadth of understanding kind of dwarfs me. And and I think you have to work for that, and you have to listen a lot, and that's where that humility comes in. And one person in particular who came to mind for me, uh, and I, I mean, one day she'll be my lifelong mentor. I'm speaking that into existence. Uh, I told her that when I ran into her on the streets of New York. But Ava Duvernay, the 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 producer, she producer, yeah. No, she's a director. I'm so sorry. I've already, I've already messed it up. Uh, one of the things that, and, and to, to my credit, that is something that I mess up every single time. My team's like, those two things are not the same. Noted. Uh, but she, I think, speaks truth to power in a really elegant way. And I really appreciate more and more. You know, I don't think we live in a, a very uh, polarized world. And I don't think there are any neutral positions to be taken. And so people who in their work in their brilliance, in their storytelling, um, speak truth to power and keep us questioning ourselves, keep us questioning our communities. Um, I, I think they're really important. And the fact that she does it so brilliantly, like I love all of her work and she does it with such humility. And um, it, it just, it does something for me. It really does. When I saw her in New York, I was just coming out of a hotel. She was walking into the hotel I literally just started crying. She knew. She knew why. And she just walked up to me and held out her hand. And she said, hi, my name's Ava. What's your name? And that moment, it was something where it's like just to see someone. There's a certain level of like just, again, that human where it says, I does, it doesn't matter how much money is in my bank account or what I've accomplished or how tired I am. Because the reality is people who are in high profile positions, you know, they get poked all the time. And they're, you know, they can be introverts too, and they don't always want to give away their time and emotional and social energy. And the fact that she, from one person to another, knew that I was having this like fangirl experience and walked right up to me and held out her hands and said, hi, my name's Ava, what's your name? Like, that was just the most humbling experience to me, for me. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it, it reminds me, I am, I am no Ava, but it just reminds me that when other people uh, are around me to make sure that I see them in the same way that she saw me, because those moments are pivotal. They really are for people. Mm. Um, and I hope that I can continue to cultivate a voice that challenges the way that the people around me think and do it with such grace 
and uh, and such elegance that I think she does. Absolutely. I think that's something that all of us aspire to have, you know, despite whatever success we might be going through, actually keeping grounded and having that level of humility and empathy um, is, yeah, like so admirable. So um, I'm, I'm glad you did bring that up and it's um, definitely interesting to hear. And I guess just to finish up right now on this quick fast stuff, Elise, um, I just want to touch on productivity, um, particularly these days. I know it's something a lot of young people struggle with um, and are always looking for ways that we can potentially um, allow ourselves to be a bit more productive, a bit more focused in our lives. Do you have any tips around that? Any resources at all? Yeah. So this has been a big challenge for me uh, because we do way too many things and I, uh, and I'm not great at organization and timelines. And, you know, I think in the past and I, and I, I have commitment issues. Right. And so in the same way that like, uh, I, I kind of like to wing it uh, in my personal life, I do in my professional life too. And I would look up and like, I'd have to do this thing and I'm, I will do it when I'm ready. And then I would look up and the deadline would be six hours from now. And lo and behold, I was never ready. You know, and so I never, I never created time in my, in my schedule to make sure that things were happening. And so, you know, uh, I'm thankfully really good under pressure. And so most of the things I've wanted to do, I've been able to get done, but it was so stressful. And I felt like I was up so many late nights. And so over the last year, I've started, uh, it was actually a, a teammate of mine, Michael Crawford. He, he shared with me this time management tool and essentially, you kind of make a list of the things you want to accomplish in the week. Um, and it can be 10, it can be 20, it can be 50 things. Uh, then you go through and cross out everything or make a note of everything that you can delegate. And then you pick your top six to 10 things that you really want to accomplish. You rank them, you give amount of time that you think you would need to complete them. And then you put that time on your calendar. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important part. I'm great at to-do lists. I have a million of them floating around my house dating back to like 2011. Like I am, uh, I have a little bit of a to-do list problem, but the fact that that never actually translated into an action plan is where I really went, um, you know, kind of uh, fell off the tracks. And so um, actually looking and saying, okay, this proposal is going to take me probably five or six hours. If I can guess, I'll put a three hour chunk of period, you know, three hour period of time on my calendar on Tuesday and on Thursday. And that at least, uh, starts to block out set aside time because you know the challenge is you're never ready you're never going to uh, manage your time well enough to get all the things done I think we live in a really busy world and so committing early to getting the things done that you need to get done and committing to yourself that you're going to do these things I think can be super helpful um, beyond that sleep more eat better drink less you know I think <laughs> as young people we sometimes forget that um, our bodies are, uh, they're the vessel that takes us through this world. And ultimately, like our brain, especially as you work harder and longer hours, like it has to function at high levels, yeah. um, even more now than ever, right? And so, you know, whether you're building a company or starting projects or whatever, that, that entrepreneurial mindset takes a lot of creative energy and you just have to be well to do it. And I, that's something I'm always learning as well, um, that, you know, a, a fresh mind, a well body is the best um, recipe for success. Yeah, 100%. And very much just bringing it back down to basics that I think a lot of us um, overlook <laughs> as we go along. So, yeah. Totally. <clears throat> Well, that's because like you can you can burn really hot, and that's the challenge. Is that you know when you're younger, like you can pull the all nighter. I pulled probably one all nighter a week every week from junior and senior of college. Like I never slept, and I got all the things done, and so it seemed like that was a way I could do things, you know. And then I started working, and then I started working more, and then I start, you know, and that your ability to do that actually wanes, and no one tells you that. No one tells you that you get old young. I was probably 24 or 25 when I started getting really tired and really sick after a couple beers, and like. You know, if I didn't like eat well, like I really kind of got lethargic. Like those, it started happening really early, and it was a really hard left turn for me. And so, 
uh, I think recognizing that your body will continue to change and you got to start taking better care of it. You know, it's not always going to do what it did 10 years ago or five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, that's been absolutely amazing, Elise. I think this has just been um, a snippet of, of a lot of gold, um, you know, tips and advice. I really appreciate you, um, you know, sharing all of that with us. And um, yeah, if everyone loved listening into this, I highly recommend um, tuning into uh, longer discussion where we sort of dig a bit more deeper into Elisa's journey. But yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. I can't wait for whatever's next. Thank you so much for listening in. I hope this has given you some more insight, some inspiration into exploring those new things that you want, into taking those next steps and driving change. Just before I let you go, I do want to ask you to please leave a review for this podcast. It really helps me understand the content and how I should maybe adjust it to make it better, as well as making sure that more people can access this podcast and find it a lot easier. Thanks so much.